Hey, welcome to the Danny Abel podcast, where I help you connect the dots between mindset, metabolism, nutrition, and fitness to help you easily understand complex health and wellness concepts. I'm thrilled you're here to listen to what I have to share. So let's dive right in. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. On today's episode, I'm going to be going through information with you to help you understand whether or not you fall into the category of under eating. So a lot of times people, they don't realize that they are under eating. And I'm going to unpack that for you, why that happens and what you can do about it in this episode. Now, keep in mind the audio quality today is not going to be what it normally is because I am driving. And if you've listened to some past episodes where I am uh, doing something other than just sitting behind my computer, then you'll kind of know that this is a, a normal theme for me. And mostly it's because, hey, it's my podcast and I can do what I want with it. So I'm feeling creative and really wanted to share this with you today. And since I've got an hour and a half drive, I figure now is the perfect time to record it. So let's dive right into it. But the first thing that we're going to want to do to determine this is really take a look at where is your baseline intake falling right now. So what I personally call this in my coaching business is pre-tracking, or I'll say something like, let's determine where is your current metabolism at, or where is your metabolic baseline? And why is this so important? Okay, so I'm going to tell you, this is really, really important, and it's going to probably be an aha for many of you. So if you've ever gone online and you've used a TDEE, or Total Daily Energy Expenditure Calculator, and you've used that number that the calculator gives you to set goals from, and you've not been successful with the goals, this is the reason why. And it's because many times if we don't truly know where maintenance is at our current body weight and level of activity, then we kind of just go with what our body has always done, which sometimes can be where our metabolism has slowed and our hunger cues are off. And so a lot of times, like it's because we have been under eating. Sometimes it is intentional and sometimes it's unintentional. But a lot of times if you don't actually have some kind of a value to evaluate it against, meaning your current intake compared to expected maintenance, then you're not going to know that there's a gap there. So I've talked a lot about this in past content on social media and even past podcast episodes, but I call it the gap. And I see it 98% of the time with clients when we first start. So let's talk about how do you identify where your current intake is at right now? So the first thing that you're going to want to do is you are going to want to download some type of a food tracking app. If you already have a food tracking app, or if you've been tracking macros for quite a long time, then you're already going to be one step ahead with this, but you're going to want to start with that. And what I would recommend is tracking your food. Don't look at the goals the app gives you. Like if you can zero them out, not all of the apps allow you to zero them out. But if you can, zero them out. But I really, really, really can't emphasize it enough. Do not look at the goals of the app for this 7 to 10 days of pre-tracking. So you're going to want to record everything that you are eating and drinking during this time. And I'm talking like, you know, make sure you're including like the mayonnaise on your sandwich. Get really, really detailed. 
Now, that doesn't mean that you have to be like, you know, precise for the rest of your life. We're just trying to determine like, you know, what level are we at? Like, are we way, way, way down? You know, like you can't see my hands right now, but you know, if I was like holding them up and imagine like a ladder, you know, are you like way at the bottom of the ladder or are you close to the top of the ladder? We just, we want to find out where are you at? So as precise that we can be, as precise as we can be, that will be helpful. So for seven to 10 days, I want you to record everything that you're eating and drinking. A lot of times things like oils, butters, um, nuts, seeds, drinks, alcohol, those are oftentimes missed. So try to make a mental note and record everything that you're putting into your mouth. Now, there is some nuance as far as like supplements and zero calorie foods and drinks. Um, I wouldn't necessarily worry about that if you're doing this on your own. For my coaching clients, I encourage them to record everything because I want to look at where are their micronutrients coming in at. And I also want to look at if they're consuming, you know, for example, a lot of coffee um, and we've got a lot of caffeine coming in. I don't get real excited about a couple cups of excuse me, a couple cups of coffee. But like when we start getting into the like four, five, six, eight, you know, 10, a full pot of coffee, that's when I start to get a little nervous. Um, and also like artificial sugars, I don't get that excited about those things. But I will say if you're consuming a lot of them as supplements instead of like real whole base foods, then oftentimes we'll see issues with digestion. And we just need to determine, you know, is that an issue for you or are you really not worried about it? Because that's going to kind of determine what we focus on. Ignore the fact that I just hit the rumble strips. It's kind of snowy out. I mean, it's not terrible. So it's definitely fine for me to like talk and drive. But <laughs> there might be the occasional time when that happens. So after the seven to 10 days of pre-tracking, you're going to have an average intake. And I want you to look at it in, the ter in terms of calories to start. And we can also take a look at macros and I'll dive into that later in the episode, but primarily just for this episode, we're definitely going to want to look at under eating from a calories perspective. So get whatever that average is. Let's just say that your average over the course of, you know, the 10 days was 1750. Okay. All right. So now I want you to go online and I want you to find three different TDEE calculators. Why three? Because all of them are going to use a different approach. There are multiple different equations out there as far as how to calculate your total daily energy expenditure or how to calculate what your metabolism should be, also known as maintenance. Okay, so just for a minute, I want to pause and explain what maintenance is. So maintenance is a range, um, about two to 500 calories. And these are the energy requirements of your body, or this is the energy requirements of your body to maintain your current body weight and your associated bodily functions. Like I'm talking gut, brain, heart function, muscle function, just without activity. If you were just laying in bed, and doing nothing. That's going to be your BMR, basal metabolic rate. And then we need to add your activity factor on that. So activity factor is going to be things like, if you have a very 
uh, what's the word? Active. <laughs> I couldn't come up with it. If you have a very active job, for example, then your activity factor is probably already going to be very high because your steps are going to be high. So that's kind of where that comes in. So you probably, you know, heard of people talking about like, make sure you're tracking your steps, but then you might be like, well, what do I do with these steps? You know, like, where should I set my goals? That kind of thing. So that's a lot of times it's going to be your step count. Now, if you're doing something like very strenuous, like, I don't know, um, you know, lifting things over your head a lot, like lifting heavy loads as a part of your work, then you would want to kind of factor that into your exercise for the week, because truly it is, you know, it's probably not a structured exercise plan because it's not like you're progressively overloading what you're you know, doing at work, but it's definitely going to contribute. You're using your muscles for that and it requires energy. So something like that. And then also taking into account what is your intentional exercise look like for the week, if any. So that's going to be your activity factor. So these TDEE calculators are going to factor in all of that. So find three, three different TDEE calculators, okay? And then I want you to put in your information for all three. And then I want you to take the average, take the average of all three and compare it to where your current baseline metabolic rate, or excuse me, metabolism is sitting, AKA what your pre-tracking showed for those seven to 10 days and see if you have a gap, okay? A lot of times there is a gap. Sometimes there's as much as 1,000 calories. Sometimes it's only two or 300. It doesn't really matter what that number is. It's a matter of knowing, okay, this is where I have to start. Once you know that there is a gap there, then that better, that better helps you determine if you are going to go up with your food, stay the same, or come down. Now, the one thing I would say about that is we also have to keep in mind how long, approximately how long have you been eating at the level that you are eating right now? So let me break that down a little bit further. So for example, you know, two different scenarios here, I'm sure there's different ones, but I'm going to give you two different scenarios. So somebody who just came out of a 10 to 16 week dieting phase that baseline level, you know, where their metabolism is sitting right now, that's more short term, right? I mean, ultimately, I would still recommend a reverse, reverse diet, that is. But that's going to be probably easier for that person to increase their calories, because they had a start and a stop date to that intentional fat loss phase. Whereas somebody else, if their intake is far below where it should be from a TDEE perspective. And they've been eating like that for years. Like they probably, you know, probably couldn't even tell me at what point that started. And, and I'm speaking to somebody who is just chronically, constantly trying to restrict food because just hoping that one day that that scale is going to come down. And the reason why this stops working is because of adaptive thermogenesis, which is really just truly saying that your metabolism adapts to the fuel and movement that is experiencing. So over time, if there is not enough calories coming in in the form of energy, then it will slow how quickly you are burning through energy in your body. 
And that's when symptoms start to appear. Biofeedback starts to get off and you start to feel poor, start to feel bad inside. Why do I talk about this? Because that's what I experienced. That's what I went through. After the birth of our second son, I really struggled to get the weight off. Like all of my traditional methods, which back then were running and a lot of cardio, they weren't working anymore. And it's probably because my sleep was in the shitter. I was pretty stressed at the time. And I have no idea where my food was at. No clue as far as a, a quantity perspective. The quality wasn't the greatest either, but the quantity, no idea. So I didn't know any better. And, you know, I went into these portion containers, which ultimately ended up dropping my intake to a really unhealthy level. And I was so afraid to bring my food back up because I knew that I didn't want to go back to that place. And in my mind, if I started to raise my food up, that I would go back there. And so I held at that number, you know, back then it was like, when I actually calculated it, I wasn't actually tracking calories and macros back then with the portions. But when I started to track calories and macros, you know, two years later, I started calculating it and looking at where my intake was falling. And it was approximately 1000 calories below where I should have been for my level of activity at that time, you know, close to the end of that two years when I had like well embedded training and movement and steps into my weekly routine. The reason why this is so important is this is a lot of times where people hit plateaus. It's the gap. They don't necessarily know that they are under eating. And a lot of times I would even go as far as saying that the majority of the time you don't even know that you're under eating. You don't know. And it's like nothing to be ashamed about. It's just now you have this level of awareness. Now you know where you need to start. And so you can get going with it and actually start to see some results. And the biggest thing that I can tell you is that, you know, each of these phases that I talk about, you know, periodization of nutrition, diet, diet break, diet, reverse diet, maintenance, bulking, and, you know, a little caveat with bulking, I realize that not everybody wants to bulk. I'm probably one of the few women that does, but still maintenance, maintenance is nothing to be feared. Maintenance is the number of calories that you need to maintain your body at its current weight, even if you don't like it. That's where you have to start. I've, I've talked about this before. You know, if you've seen any of my stories of me talking about the center of the wheel, it's like the spoke, it's like the middle of the wheel and all of your other goals pivot around that point. And the other thing that's really confusing about maintenance for people is that maintenance changes. It changes. Now, it may not necessarily drastically change if you're really a routine-based person and you're consistent with everything, you know, and you're kind of always getting about the same number of steps, your training is similar, you know, month to month, quarter to quarter, year to year, um, and your intake, you're tracking your intake in one way, shape, or form, or occasionally tracking it, then it's probably not going to change a whole lot. You know, I think mine has changed maybe 200 calories in the last two years. So just for example there, but it does change. And usually what I recommend is like every quarter, every three months, check in with yourself, assess these numbers, compare it to where you quote unquote should be 
And that will help you determine that, okay, yep, I'm good. I just need to tweak these goals here and I can just continue on. Or, oh gosh, my intake is like falling way below where it should be because I haven't been tracking lately or whatever. And so now I got to start back on that and, you know, work towards that process again. And that way you kind of have a systematized way and a process to follow with that. Now, at the beginning of the episode, I did mention that I wanted to talk a little bit about macros and I, I will take a little bit of time to talk about that and why it's so important. And a lot of times it's just because of the, the macro splits and that may be affecting the outcomes that you are getting. So let's just start with protein. So a lot of times protein is pretty low. Now, if you're training, if you're doing any type of resistance training, that's not going to necessarily be the best for you because you are tearing muscle down. You know, you're creating tears in the microscopic muscle tissue. And if you don't have adequate protein coming in, in the form of nutrition, then you're going to struggle to repair and rebuild the tissue that you are tearing down to make it stronger, to make it larger, to create that hypertrophy, that toned look. So a lot of times, you know, if protein is, is low, meaning you know, I, I kind of hate the one pound, one gram per one pound, because that is very different for someone who is, you know, say 200 pounds, they don't need to eat 200 grams of protein, but just kind of keep that in mind. But overall, you know, if you're getting less than, if I just had to like put a number on the board, I would say like, if you're getting less than 100, 100 grams of protein per day, and you're consistently training that is going to be suboptimal. You're going to struggle to put on muscle and get that tone look that you want. Um, and also you're going to probably struggle with strength progressions because you're not repairing the damage that you're doing. You don't have enough nutrients coming in. So as far as carbs go, this one is a little bit unique because it's going to be based upon the individual and primarily like your activity is the best way that I would look at it. So for example, for someone who is doing a great deal of high intense exercise or high intensity exercise, which might be, you know, heavier lifting, it could be more power-based sports, it could be running of some kind, like short distance running, sprinting, um, other athletics that require a lot of speed and power in short bursts. Somebody like that is going to require a lot of carbohydrates. And the reason for this is because of energy demands. So specifically, your body is going to use phosphagen first. So that energy system first, which is your quickest energy system. No oxygen is required. This is stored in the muscles and it lasts about 10 to 20 seconds. And then after that, we're going to move into fast glycolysis, which is going to be the fast breakdown of glucose without oxygen present. Glucose is going to be from carbohydrates. Now, there are other things that you can use as substrates to make carbohydrate or to make, I should say glucose, sorry, but just know that that is a less efficient process. So it's a slower process. And yes, it can happen, but it's not as quick. And the idea with fast glycolysis is that we want energy to be available fast, very quickly. 
And so carbohydrates in particular are going to be the quickest way to achieve that. So for somebody, I don't know, like let's just say they've been following a keto style of dieting um, or even just a keto style of eating. Somebody like that, if they have low carbohydrate intake overall, and let's just say they're performing like CrossFit or something high intense like that, that's going to be difficult for them to generate the power and speed that they need quickly. Can they do it? Yes, but they're going to be less efficient compared to someone who is eating an adequate amount of carbohydrates for their level of activity. And even if you're not a competitive athlete or if you're not really even competing in any types of sports and you're just recreational lift, a recreational lifter, that is still going to matter because your performance in the gym is definitely going to be affected by the amount of readily accessible glucose that you have available to you. So carbohydrates in particular also have a negative effect on health when they are too low specifically when it comes to the hormone leptin. So leptin is your essentially your fat hormone. It's a hormone that is released from adipose tissue and it communicates to the brain. Leptin also is surveying the amount of carbohydrates or glucose that is available. So whether that be in circulating blood or that be in stored glycogen in your muscles, that is going to send signals back to the brain when not enough is available. And that will affect things like your thyroid function and that will slow down metabolism. So thyroid is heavily involved in metabolic regulation. So just keep that in mind. This is oftentimes what I see is clients who have been following a lower carb style of approach, they will oftentimes have very slow metabolism And there's other factors here too, and I'm not just saying that it's just carbohydrates, but oftentimes this is definitely a contributing factor to what we're seeing overall with the slower metabolism. And then when your metabolism is slow, when you eat above that level, then you start to accumulate fat and, you know, it's a domino effect from there. Okay, and then as far as fats go, so in particular, for a long time, you know, probably 20 years ago, A lot of us were under the impression that fats were bad and that we shouldn't eat fat, especially like, I mean, I can tell you, I can tell you even just, you know, probably eight, 10 years ago for myself, I definitely had in my mind that if I ate fats, that I was going to get fat. I'm here to tell you that that is not the case. Okay. (laughs) So you need fats. They are fatty acids and they make up things like your cells, your tissues. They are precursors for your sex hormones for your gonadotropins, and you need them. You need them for healthy brain function. The list goes on and on and on. Now, is it true if you eat more fats, uh, you may be more prevalent, it might be more prevalent that you would accumulate fat? Maybe. It depends on where your energy balance is at. If you're eating more fats and carbohydrates, but your overall calories are lower than you know what they should be, like if you were in a purposeful deficit, then you would still lose weight. You would still lose fat eating higher fats, if that makes sense. It's really all comes down to energy balance, energy balance, but energy balance is determined by your metabolism and your, your, your metabolism, which is affected by your hormones. So metabolism, excuse me, that's a downstream effect. So metabolism 
is affected by the signals that your brain is receiving from hormones. I want to make sure I get it in the right sequence there for you. So lastly, at the beginning of the episode, I talked about how you, what you can do about it. You know, what, once you know that you have a gap, what can you do about it? And it's really just going to determine like, what is that gap? If your intake is higher than it should be, it really comes down to like, what is your goal? What are you working on right now? Are you working on building muscle and bulking up? Then that's fine. Do that. And just know that you should have a start and a stop date for that phase of your nutrition. If your intake is at maintenance and you're feeling really good, your lifts are going well, you're making progress in the gym, you know, you're getting a good night of sleep, you're managing stress, everything is hunky-dory and you want to work on body recomposition, do that. And thirdly, if your intake is below where it should be, then you have two choices. And you have other choices with these other options too, but the biggest one, like for women in particular, the biggest mindfuck is when you're not eating enough and your goal is to change the way your body looks. That's the biggest one because it's like, well, I'm already eating low. Like, why is this not happening for me? Why is it not happening? And like I talked about at the beginning of the episode, it's because of metabolic adaptation. It's adaptive thermogenesis. Your body is just going to adapt to the energy that you're providing it. My mentor, she talks about if you eat 1,200 calories ongoingly, you will create a 1,200 calorie metabolism. And it's so true. And what is really fucked up for people and really like gets them to the point of absolute, you know, sheer nonsense is that, so you're eating 1200, right? So then you go back to eating quote unquote normally, and then you start to gain weight. And it's like, well, why the hell would I ever increase my food? Because when I do that, I, I gain weight. And the reason for this is because you're doing it too quickly. Like you can't just throw that amount of food to your body. It will start to store it as fat because your metabolism has slowed. So essentially you're just bulking. And so when I tell women, I'm like, oh, you know, you've been bulking and they're like, no, I haven't. So I'm like, well, no, technically like you have from a numbers based perspective. And they're like, what? Like that's the last thing that I want to do. And what you need to do instead is if you feel bad, like biofeedback is in the tank, like internally you feel bad. You're not making progress in the gym. You're not able to increase your lifts. You know, your body is not changing in the way that you want it to. And you've been doing that for a while, six months or more. It's time to bring your food up and do it slowly with a reverse diet. And you can achieve that by, you know, taking and increasing your food up, you know, say 50 to 100 calories every two to four weeks and get you to a point where your intake is high enough. So your, your maintenance is, your energy expenditure is at a level, you, you need to stay there for a while. I'll return to that in a minute, but you can cut from that new level because if you're already eating 1200 and you're stuck, in order for you to elicit fat loss again, you're going to have to drop your intake even further. And if you already feel like shit, that is not a viable solution. 
And this is something that I did not really truly understand for such a long time because I'm like, well, if I just keep dropping, I'll just keep losing. But then I started to feel hollow inside and I felt like shit. And I'm like, okay, something, something is wrong here. Like this is, this must not be how you do it. So this is the value in truly understanding nutritional periodization and realizing, okay, these are my options. And this is about how long, you know, it's not perfect. Everybody's different. It's about how long I should spend in this phase. And here's about how much I should increase or decrease, you know, every two to four weeks and go from there. The biggest thing that I want you to hear is that I know in your mind, it might feel like, you know, increasing your food up is scary, but if you've never done it before and you feel very bad on the inside and you're not headed in the direction that you want to be with, whether it be a physique goal or a performance goal or health goal, then what other option do you have? You know, I mean, truly, there's so many women out there that can attest to the experience of going through reverse diet and kind of like, you know, taking that step forward and realizing in the beginning that it's scary as hell. It is scary as hell and it's totally expected. But I'm telling you, if you take it slowly, you monitor your intake, do it in a managed and controlled and a systematized way, you're not going to gain, you know, the 10, 20, 30 pounds that you think you are going to. Now, if you're not very good with like managing your intake and you just all of a sudden, you know, start going off the rails, then, you know, it's very likely that that's going to happen. You're going to probably gain some unwanted fat, but if you take it slowly, you monitor your intake to have some way of tracking it. It doesn't have to be calories and macros. You could do portions, but that will change the game for you. And once you know how to calculate maintenance, then you know for life, like this is where I have to pivot around. Here's how I find this number. And here's where my goals will always pivot around, like whatever that number is. And it's going to change, like I mentioned earlier in the episode. Now, if you're somebody where your intake is higher than it should be, then kind of take that reverse strategy and flip it on its head, except for I would recommend doing more percentage based for a deficit. Um, and mostly, the, you could also do calories. You know, you could do 150, 200 reduction to 5,300, that kind of thing. But I just find for a deficit, percentages are easier to manage. That's um, just what I personally prefer. So if you're going to do a deficit, intake is at a level that is adequate. You're not going to be, when you do cut, you're not going to cut below your BMR, which is that basal metabolic rate that I talked about in the beginning of the episode then use it as a percentage, you know, 15 to 30% over the course of 10 to 16 weeks, start slowly, start slowly and monitor changes, measurements, body weight, strength progressions, that kind of thing. Use those as your markers to determine what you need to do next. And I'm here to tell you that the slower, the better, you're going to feel good. You'll have more flexibility in life, probably going to be sleeping better for longer And you'll also be able to continue to feel good in the gym. You know, if you drop your intake, you know, say 500 right out of the gate, like expect within the week or two, like within a week or two, you're going to start to see some loss of sleep. You're going to start to feel bad in the gym. You're going to have difficulty, you know, continuing to live in a way that is flexible and allows you to feel good 
while also trying to reduce body fat. So I hope this episode was helpful for you guys. I tried to make sure that I went through some of the theory behind it and also giving you like specifics as far as like how to apply these concepts. And I would love it if you let me know what you thought about the episode. If you have any additional questions, you could always drop me a DM over on Instagram or on Facebook. But otherwise, I hope that the episode helped you to be able to get a little farther ahead. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Danny Abel podcast. If you're enjoying the show and you haven't already, consider subscribing and leaving me a five-star review. If you love the episode, screenshot it, share it to your story and tag me. And lastly, if you have any questions, send me a DM and I'll see if I can help. Thanks again for listening. Take care.